0: Welcome to the Opium Den. I'm Daniel Williams. Well, it's another Thursday evening, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. I think we've got a pretty good show on tap. We're going to discuss uh, medical marijuana, whether or not it is a Trojan horse. Uh, There's great debate on both sides, and we're going to take a look and talk about that tonight. So if... uh, you think medical marijuana is a Trojan horse, or if you think it isn't a Trojan horse, give us a call. We'll get you on the air, 727-493-2205. Uh, you can email us if you'd prefer. You can, there's a little email, Daniel Button, on the homepage there of my uh, Opium Den talk show site. So you can send us an email, but we'd like you to give us a call. We'd like to put you on the radio so everybody can, can hear your voice. Again, that number is 727 493 And if you Skype, you can call us over the Skype machine. My Skype ID is The New Libertarian. The New Libertarian. So give us a call and uh, weigh in on whether medical marijuana is a Trojan horse toward full legalization or it's not. So, uh that's what we're going to be be discussing the e- this evening, and I usually start off the show with a, a weather report, and uh, Mother Nature has played a little trick on us down here in Southwest Florida. We had a few days where we had absolutely gorgeous weather, low temperature lower temperatures, much lower humidity, the type of weather that people pay millions of dollars to live in down here in Southwest Florida. Our tourist season is beginning to ramp up and it gets full steam after January. But Mother Nature, like I said, tricked us for a couple of days. Today especially was very, very hot. It was about 93 degrees today when I was out around uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon making a cigar run. So, uh, but the upside is it's hot, but it's not stormy. So Bahama, our sweet eleven-year-old chocolate lab, has uh, not been medicated for the for the past few days. So that makes her, I guess, a happier dog. I'm not really sure, but uh, anytime that we can avoid a storm and giving her a doggy downer is a good good day for us. So. Uh, Let's, uh, let's talk about this medical marijuana Trojan horse controversy. Now, there's been a lot, as everyone knows, there's been a lot of news lately with regards to the, uh, the three-page memo put out by Eric Holder, our Attorney General, with regards to uh, what the federal government will and will not do regarding uh, states that have medical marijuana laws on their books. There are 13 states that have that uh, special enlightened designation. So <clears throat> before I get into the uh, the actual uh, meat of the uh, discussion tonight, uh, the Scott Morgan piece that was uh, written a week ago today over at StopTheDrugWar.org, um, a great website that I recommend everyone check out if you're not already familiar with it at StopTheDrugWar.org But um, yesterday on the Diane Rehm show she's a um, NPR uh, talk show host and uh, she had on her show um, discussing the Eric Holder memo uh, she had on her show Ethan Nadelman, who is the executive director of Drug Policy Alliance and one of the more visible drug policy reform leaders that we have, uh, he appeared with uh, Connie Johnson, who is a Justice Department re- uh, reporter for the Washington Post, uh, Tom Riley, who served as the assistant director of the ONDCP uh, during the Bush years, 2001 through 2009. And a bit later in the uh, in the show, uh, Gil Kurlikowski, our new drug czar, showed up to uh, to throw his his two cents into the ring. Um, I recommend anybody that would uh, would like to listen to that they should. Um, really, you're not going to to learn anything new. Well, there was I guess there was a couple of things that that you'll that you'll learn from uh, from reading it. But it was a very uh, blasé type of uh, type type of discussion. Um, Ethan Edelman, I know Ethan. He's he's appeared inside the Opium Den, and uh, the interview that we did together is one of the more popular downloads here from the Opium Den. But um, Ethan, uh, I think missed a good opportunity to to speak more broadly to the issue of drug prohibition. And yes, I know that the topic was uh, the medical marijuana memo, but you know <laughs> how many talk shows do you watch or listen to where uh, uh, some of the guests don't get off topic or enlarge uh, the topic being discussed. But I think you missed a couple of opportunities. Uh, but uh, But Ethan did say, That uh, the Drug Policy Alliance, that that he and the Drug Policy Alliance uh, were taking, could take credit for, for help draft most of the uh, medical marijuana laws, supporting them and and helping the states. Although he didn't claim um, credit for, uh, for California, which is the focus of most all of the uh, discussions here. But uh, the the biggest opportunity, I think, Ethan missed was when uh, Gil Kurlikowski, you know, our, our new drugs are, when uh, Gil Kurlikowski uh, claimed, and, and with a straight face, I mean, I know you can't really see that on radio, but you can hear it, uh, Mr. Kurlikowski claimed with a straight face that uh, he wanted to remind everyone that he ended the drug war. And i and when I heard that I thought, well, what the fuck, man? Where where have I been? The drug war is over, Jesus Christ, you know. Let me let me crack out, crack open the bong and drink the water and every goddamn thing else we could do to celebrate that. But obviously, we know that uh, Gil Kerlikowsky was is full of shit when he says he's into the drug war. What he basically did was change the terminology. Uh, it's very similar to what. Uh, President Obama said he, when he he was going to end uh, he was no longer to use the term uh, war on terror" and replaced it with some politically correct bullshit phrase that i can 't even remember uh man caused <clears throat> man caused incidents or you know some crazy horseshit so here 's Gil Kerlikowsky taking credit for ending the drug war when in fact, all they did was change the terminology um If this this is what ending the drug war looks like, I don't want any fucking part of it, uh, to be real honest with you. People are still being arrested as we speak. Uh, Heroin addicts are overdosing on unknown purity levels of heroin, and many of them are still spreading HIV AIDS through uh, unclean needles. So if this is what the end of the drug war looks like, (laughs) <laughs> I need to smoke more dope because it sure doesn't look like Gil Kurlikowski has ended the drug war. So anyway, I, I recommend, if you got no, nothing to do for 52 minutes, uh, actually, it only lasted about 32 minutes, either that or I, I lost the connection. But it, uh, do, do stick around long enough to, Hilger, to hear uh, Gil um say that, he, <laughs> that he's ended the drug war. <laughs> Anyway, so let's let's get to the main topic tonight, and that's what went on uh, last week over at uh, StopTheDrugWar.org, where uh, Scott Morgan, and I know Scott, he's a very, very nice young man. He's very bright and uh, a very tireless worker in the uh, in the drug policy arena. Um, I can't fault them for their for their efforts, but I can. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's perfectly legitimate to question. Uh, some of the strategies that they have, but anyway, um, Charles, the uh, the article in Chronicle blog uh, by Scott Morgan last Thursday uh, was in response to a a Washington Post article that was written by uh, one complete uh, douchebag by the name of Charles Lane, and uh, essentially, well, he wrote he wrote one piece. That uh, was just—I I didn't read that one, but I guess it was a just a complete piece of shit. And then he uh, retracted a little bit, uh, stepped back, and he wrote another one, which I, which I read, which I thought was completely full of shit. So I can't imagine how terrible his first piece was. But basically, uh, Charles Lane at the Washington Post uh, fell back on the uh, on uh, what um, what Scott calls a desperate argument that medical marijuana is a Trojan horse for recreational legalization so I'm going to uh, Scott's piece uh, wasn't uh, that long I'm going to I'm going to read it too if you don't mind just kind of hang with me and because uh, you may not have the time or haven't uh, haven't read it yet and won't read it so uh, let me let me tell you let me read what uh, the, the piece that Scott Morgan wrote uh, he goes listen medical marijuana isn't a trick and it's pathetic to pretend that the people trying to legalize marijuana are behaving surreptitiously when we've been screaming legalized marijuana at the top of our lungs for a damn long time now. You can't blame us for the fact that the medical marijuana debate necessarily serves to illustrate so much about the absurdity of marijuana prohibition as a whole. Nor does it in any way undermine our credibility when we place the interests of seriously ill patients before those of casual users when setting our political priorities. Critics of medical marijuana advocacy often accuse us of demanding unusual regulatory exceptions for marijuana, complaining that it hasn't been approved by the FDA and that the whole concept of medicine by referendum is absurd, as though there exists any other path for us to take. It really shouldn't be necessary to explain all the ways in which endemic and entrenched anti-prejudice across numerous government agencies Renders preposterous any notion that we could just play this out by the usual rules. We've been trying for the, we've been trying that for decades now, and we get cheated at every turn. So you can save your appeals to procedure. Marijuana can't be treated like other medicines because it's nothing like them. It was here first, and it's vastly cheaper, safer, and more versatile than its modern pharmaceutical counterparts. It's a bush that just grows out of the ground, and what we want is for the government to stop arresting people who have found ways to use it. There's nothing even the, the least bit complicated or disingenuous about that. Those who now lament the cascading political momentum of medical marijuana as some sort of grand conspiracy have it exactly backwards. Marijuana was prohibited through a vicious series of outrageous lies and perversions of science. We all know the history of racism, demagoguery, and blind hysteria that somehow turned a helpful plant into a scary, satanic death bush. From the very beginning, there has never been a time when any of this made sense. To now stand proudly atop the pedestal of prohibition while questioning our credibility and our motives is just insane. Yes, Scott concludes, there is a massive lie at the center of this debate, but we're not the ones telling it. The drug war itself is the true Trojan horse that masquerades as a symbol of health and safety, while harboring destruction within its folds. Now, that's a very, very nice piece. Um, and, like I said, I know Scott. He's a he's very bright. He's a tireless worker in the drug policy arena. But um, <clears throat> I, I I have to disagree with. With, uh, with Scott on, on several points. And when I, when I read this on Stop, uh, over at stopthedrugwar.org, um, there were a total of 15 uh, comments made on this. Uh, I made four of them. Uh, a couple of other um, commenters chimed in. But after uh, one of my comments, uh, David Borden, uh, David is the executive director of Stop the Drug War, he had to. Uh, to he, he chimed in, and and along with another uh, poster by the name of, by, that went by the by the uh, handle New Age Blues, um, they questioned whether or not my <clears throat> whether I was, was uh, whether I was exhibiting the same hubris that I accused them of, with regards to uh, to uh, tactics and uh, predictions of the future for drug policy reform. Well, let's let's focus on this uh, marijuana medical marijuana as a trojan horse situation now i'm uh, I'm on record and as most of you know, as believing that medical marijuana is not the proper strategy to move the drug drug debate forward. and I make a what I consider a good argument that uh, focusing on medical marijuana could actually retard the efforts to repeal all drug prohibitions. But the, um, the thrust of, of Scott's argument was that we are, in, in drug policy reform, are being accused of using medical marijuana as a Trojan horse for full legalization. The, our opponents, the, uh, the lunatic fringe occupied by prohibitionists, have long said that, uh, they have long accused uh, the medical marijuana um, establishment Abusing uh, medical marijuana as a foot in the door or Trojan horse, whatever you like to call it, for uh, full legalization. And I got to say, uh, they're right. And I and I hate it when the uh, the prohibitionists are right. But we are using medical marijuana as a uh, Trojan horse toward full uh, legalization, um, even though the drug pol- many of the drug policy reform leaders uh, publicly. Uh, deny it in in private, they say that of course uh, our goal, our eventual goal is to remove all uh, prohibitions against all drugs and go into a regulated uh, market to control the sale and distribution of uh, of these substances. So <clears throat> yes, I do believe that medical marijuana is a Trojan horse um, regardless of what the, the public disclaimers are by our leaders in drug policy reform. Because if, in fact, we do believe that all prohibitions against all drugs should be repealed, what are we going to do when smoking marijuana, whether for medicinal or recreational purposes, does become law of the land? That's the question that I pose, and that is the question that has yet to be uh, satisfactorily answered My belief is that if we do, in drug policy reform, believe that uh, marijuana is the uh, first drug to test the waters, once we have that established as settled law across the United States, what are we going to do next? What is our next plan of attack? Do we pick another single drug to champion, whether it be cocaine, LSD, MDMA, or do we take all drugs lump them in one in one pile and uh, go for go for the gusto as it were Um, either either choice going for a single drug Um, we have uh, we have a call coming in uh, Brian Bennett he's as I mentioned he was going to uh, speak with us this
1: evening so let let me answer this call here
0: hello Brian
1: hey good evening Daniel
0: how was your dinner
1: uh, pretty good. I didn't finish it all because uh, I don't know. It's kind of late
0: at night. <laughs> well, I try not to eat after six o'clock or so. Makes uh makes things uh, a little easier the next day.
1: And hey, I've tried to say no to food, but food doesn't
0: listen. <laughs> yeah, well, they're deaf, dumb, and blind. So what <laughs> we're talking about, if you hadn't have an opportunity to to listen in, we're talking about. Uh, well, we spent a few minutes talking about the Diane Reem interview where Gil Kurlikowski and Tom Riley, Connie Johnson, and Ethan Nadelman appeared in a little bland uh, gab fest about the Eric Holder medical marijuana memo. And I stated that uh, if you hadn't had an opportunity to, to listen to the clip yet, the only things that uh, really uh, were interesting is that uh, Tom Riley uh, first said that uh, nothing's really changed and if any of these states uh, you know, fuck up and don't follow the law strictly by the letter, then uh, not only will local prosecutors and sheriffs get involved, but they'll request that the federal government does come in. So he, lay, he left open that uh, that, uh, that could happen. Uh, interestingly enough, um, Ethan Nadelman uh, did not respond uh, were, when given the great opportunity. When Gil Kerlikowski came on and said that, and, I, and I'm quoting you, I'm quoting Gil Kerlikowski, he said, uh, I ended the drug war. Yeah, when I when I heard him say that, I thought, "Where the fuck have I been?" You know? <laughs> holy <laughs> Where, shit, am I high? Holy shit, man! Get out the fucking heroin, you know. Oh, but he obviously, he was he was referring to the fact that just no longer using the terminology uh, <laughs> "drug war." Sure, but,
1: if you don't call it that, then it's it's not really war, is it? That's
0: right. It's not really war. So we spent a couple of minutes on that, but uh, I'm I, I think you went to uh, stopthedrugwar.org and read the. The post yes, by I Scott did. I and I did. And, and
1: like. uh, you know, I believe everyone on the planet knows where I stand. If not, I invite you to go to Google, and you can find that out. I'm entirely with you, 100% on this.
0: Well, tell them, tell them the, the, how to get to your website again, Brian.
1: Oh, just go to Google and look for anti-drug war. That should be the first hit. Uh, also, you can go directly to www.bryancbennett.com. Two N's, two T's, and Bennett, Brian with an I. There you go. Uh, at any rate, um, my my take on this has been, that, you know, exactly the same as yours. We're 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 deluding ourselves at, at incredible levels if we think that this is going to really work in our our lifetimes. Uh, the the small incremental approach right now the the, uh, the the absurdity of it extends to the point that right now there are about a half a million people in the United States who are quote-unquote, you know, quasi-legal users of marijuana under various medical marijuana laws. By comparison, 610,000 people use crack every month. So why are we expending such levels of effort for such a small payoff? Why are we saying that, well, you know, this isn't really a Trojan horse backdoor thing to get uh, recreational marijuana legalized? Uh, well, you know that's true. It's really not because the Trojan horse is something hidden. This is right out there in public. Everyone can see it. The drug, uh, the reform, quote unquote, leaders, have said on more than one occasion that this is exactly their plan. Let's use this as the, the wedge to get in there and crack the door open. Yeah, not but they—they they don't. Horse.
0: I haven't heard any of them say that publicly. I know that they—they they make those points uh, often on the, you know, drug policy websites and drug policy blogs but um i mean i could that's be wrong but i have yet to hear them publicly agree with the prohibitionists that yes indeed this is a wink and a nod and yeah they anger, haven't done it in an, an interview
1: type of scenario but they've certainly done it in articles and, and stuff that's on the web uh, you know it's out there and Cool thing is that the entire web's actually archived, and if you know what you 're doing, you can go find out what anybody says at any point on the web
0: yeah and, and and when they do make these points on the web're they 're primarily preaching to the to the converted and Absolutely. and uh, and it 's and it's a safe uh, safe venue for them to do so but I want, I want to talk about the medical marijuana and the Trojan horse. It seems that you know we are protesting too much here inside drug policy reform that this is that this is not um, a Trojan horse, and, and the point that I was beginning to make, and I want to ask your opinion on, uh, when you called in, was that if what, what are we going to do once once marijuana for both medicinal and recreational purposes does become settled law? What is the next step from drug for drug policy reform? Do they pick a another drug like cocaine, LSD, MDMA, or do they lump them all together and say? You know we're gonna we're gonna go for the gusto. Either choice that they make, whether it's you know picking another drug singularly, or lumping them all together and going for full prohibition repeal. My question that has yet to be to be satisfactorily answered by anybody, Ethan, Alan, St. Pierre, any of the guys, is what are we going to do when we do that? And all the prohibitionists go, see, see, we told you so. You motherfuckers were using medical marijuana to get in the back door. What what response do you think? drug policy reform uh, can make at that point. I mean, obviously we're getting we're caught in our lie. How do we dance around it? What do you think is going to happen?
1: Well, I, I, I don't really care anymore what the uh, leaders of drug policy reform are saying because they're going down that same silly road where, oh, okay, we'll go get marijuana legalized then. You ask a, point, a, a pertinent question, which is, okay, what do you ask for next? They're not going to ask for something next. Uh, you know, I'm not really trying to to care too much about what their motivations are anymore. But you know, you got a retirement plan if you can drag this out forever. And if they take the approach of uh, harm reduction, which is you know de facto become one of the mantras that they've been using as a primary focus, kind of a core thing that they've focused on and how they're going about trying to change the laws you know, needle exchange programs. So oh, you know, these poor people are out here; they're unhealthy; they get hepatitis and. AIDS, let's give them clean needles, and, you know, they've got a a permanent job by never actually succeeding in changing everything, and this is to the point where it's all or nothing. You know, they like to argue about how, well, we have to do this approach incrementally because the public's not ready, all this other horseshit, it's like, here's the reality, the public is more than ready. If you take all of the information that we have, which is all conveniently available, I might add, on the internet, available 24 hours a day around the world to anybody with a computer. Now, you have all of the information, bits and pieces that you need to make this work. What you have to do is understand that it's not changing one law at a time that's going to make this happen. It's changing one person at a time. Whatever pertinent arguments an individual has about their concerns concerning this, we have the ammo to address. We can convince them beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is absurd and wrong
0: well this this is a point I made this is a point that I made to David Borden when he got he 's the executive director of stop the drug war uh, dot org sure. and he you know he jumped in on, on uh, to re, to rebut my comments and he and he was telling me that you know he can 't predict the future and it was hubris on my part to predict the future, although i wasn 't really predicting the future I was just asking uh, the, <laughs> the questions of the future but the the point is he believes that you know all this, these grassroots movements are are the way to go and i and i and i made the point well uh, he and he told me if i didn't think that these strategies were working that i should go to los angeles or oakland and and see for myself and uh, and i concede that point but uh, but i told him he should go to amsterdam and portugal because there medical marijuana is a moot point it was never the focus and it wasn't grassroots that uh, grassroots uh, agitation that convinced the governments of amsterdam of the Netherlands and Portugal to uh, to have a common sense uh, drug policy uh, for their countries it w- It required uh, government leaders who realized the uh, the insanity of punishing people for doing con- relatively consuming relatively harmless substances, but they also looked at it as a, a rightfully i believe as a law and order issue. It was the governments that made the decision. And those decisions weren't forced by the grassroots. So if we're, if, well, as, if as David says, our strategies for the future aren't in place, I suggested that they go to amsterdam and and Portugal and and see what their strategies were like because they are heads and head and shoulders above us as far as effective drug policy reform.
1: Well, that's true, and there's there two things that immediately come to mind. Uh, the first is that we also had this opportunity to act rationally. And there were people who were standing up and saying that. And we could have done the exact same thing that they did over in the Netherlands, but somebody got in the way, Richard Nixon. We should all be familiar with this story. There were people who were saying the exact same things about marijuana back in the 1960s and 70s, as are saying it now. It's the exact same stuff. What happened in Europe was that they were not as prone to hiring egomaniacal idiots to be their leaders, and ended up having some rational policy. Well,
0: Europe has had their moments. (laughs) Yeah, true. All right, good point, good point.
1: But concerning that But
0: contemporary leaders.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it was the exact same arguments that were being made. The commissions were put out, the presidential commissions, let's go study this thing to death, and what do they come back and say? Holy fuck, we shouldn't be doing this. Oh, well, I want to keep doing it anyway. Thanks. So let's not pretend that it's a question of, like, having... uh, the right people and certainly you can't have somebody in a way like that at that position of power but if bright individuals have always been around and everyone comes to the same conclusions if they have access to all of the information and truly consider it within a bigger scope like that you now the big issue with just trying to get marijuana legalized for whatever any reason is that if you do that and all the other crap is still going on. You still have these uh, people who are dying in raids in the wrong houses. You still have the incredible, uh, horrendous uh, inflictions of economic and legal sanctions against people for sticking powders in their nose. You have all the people that are being killed all over the world on, from from both the good guy and bad guy side. All that shit will continue on. We have all the evidence. The only solution is to stop. And one of the things that cracks me up is the people who like to say, uh, you know, the prohibition is people will come back, you know, and piss on the fire every once in a while, and they say, oh, oh, my God, you know, we, we already have alcohol and tobacco, and look at all the horrors that that is causing us. Why should we open the playing field for another drug? Oh, my God. It's like, oh, well, they're already there and are already being used, and we probably ought to come up with some other drugs that will have less damaging effects on people in our society than the, the aforementioned ones. But the same logic is lying behind this incremental approach. Oh, well, let's try to get pot legal first and see what happens. Well, hey, tune to the radio here, sports fans. Let's try making alcohol legal first and see what happens. That was the situation in 1937 when they passed the Marijuana Tax Act and everything was illegal except alcohol. Well, except alcohol at that point in time. Alcohol was re-legalized. But all those drugs were illegal. All of them are still illegal except for alcohol. Well, the experiment in prohibition failed. It failed miserably. And it failed primarily because there were a lot of people who used the drug in question. There are a lot
0: of people who use marijuana. Yeah, and, and alcohol prohibition was not was not enacted, nor was it ended incrementally. Alcohol yeah, prohibition right. started on on one day and it stopped on another. So this, well, the incrementalism is, uh, is not. It didn't even. It doesn't even have a history of of, of success. I mean, alcohol exactly. prohibition was not an incremental. Uh, well, possibly. exactly,
1: and, th- and that's one of the reasons that I'm pissed off at the so-called leaders, you know, like to claim mental leadership. Well, I'm in charge of this organization. Well, what the fuck have you done? you got a lot of nice, pretty marketing material on your site, but what have you really accomplished? You know what a leader does? A leader does crazy shit, like hop in a rowboat in December and float across a boatload of icebergs to invade Trenton. That's what a fucking leader does. A leader doesn't sit there and go, Oh, well, you know what? If we wait until spring after the thaw... And after the torrential rains and flooding, it will be much safer to cross the river, and we can try that. Uh, we have every goddamn thing we need at our disposal, including the most incredibly powerful uh, communications tool yet devised by humankind, the Internet. But yet, but yet
0: but yet without, without the political leadership – Without somebody, you know, and Barack Obama was hoisted upon the, on the upon the flagpole <laughs> as as our great savior. Oh, all through the Combat
1: Meth Act, yeah, he's going to help. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he, he's 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 coming to our rescue. Just hang on now; he, he'll he'll be here anytime. So, um, it, it, I just I just don't think it can happen without uh, without political leadership. You know, well, the,
1: yeah, I mean, you have to force the politicians into doing the right thing.
0: I mean, seventy you can't go
1: out and say it right now.
0: Right, but seventy—you know—that that Zogby poll—it's it's about four months old now, but I'm sure the statistics are still relevant. That the Zogby poll found that 76 percent of American adults, which obviously includes President Barack Obama, believe the drug war has failed—not that it's failing, but that it has failed. So we already have the, the 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 tacit support and and more direct support from others that this whole thing needs to needs to change. Why is it that? our leaders in drug policy reform are unable or unwilling to seize upon that those factual da- that factual data and move this debate get it off the uh, medical marijuana dime and 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 go for the gusto why why do you think other than you know job uh, preservation which is probably a large part of it they won't they won't they don't want to hear that but i've listened to them say it way too many times at drug policy conferences and in different ways. I mean, they're not standing up there and say, hey, I want to do this for another 20 years. Keep sending me money. They say it's <laughs> going to take another 20 years, so keep sending me money. Why, aside from that, why do you think these guys don't have the, the collective cojones to, uh, to stand up and demand all prohibition be repealed? Well,
1: outside of the financial incentives, I have a difficult time you know, coming up with something coherent. Are they just and pussies? Are, no, they, are
0: they afraid of a good fight? Or
1: Well, I don't know. I don't believe that because Ethan Adelman is, is, is a guy who likes to argue, certainly. Uh, hell, all, all of them like to argue. I've, I've had heated discussions with all of the different leaders, and so have you. I mean, so it's not that they don't have the guts to, to say shit. So, you know, you're right. What is the reason? Why do they not come up and say, like as we does, look, here's what's going on. Here's all the information. This is fucking crazy. We need to stop. And they get standing ovations. Not from, you know, people at HempFest. They're getting standing ovations from the Rotary Club, the VFW, the Lions. Uh, Hello. This is how you do it. The elite guys are absolutely doing the correct thing. So we all need to be asking the alleged leaders of drug law reform why they are not doing it too. And if they start backing into the corner and saying, oh, well, you know, the political landscape isn't ready or whatever. It's like it's your fucking job to get that to happen. Your fucking job to educate the people to the point that they fully comprehend that this is insane, fucked up, completely wrong, un-American, unconstitutional, etc. We have every goddamn shit to lay on the table. Well, I, so, I, 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 I don't disagree. Why they don't.
0: I, and I don't disagree, but I think fundamentally there is a huge difference in the way that uh, – the Netherlands and Portugal, and now our neighbor to the south, Mexico, have approached uh, the drug issue. We again have focused on medical marijuana until our, until our fucking dicks are raw from rubbing against the concrete, and we aren't getting anywhere. And these other countries, uh, the Netherlands, Portugal, and again now Mexico, uh, didn't uh, didn't dither around with that shit. They went right for right to the source of the problem, and they've uh, minimized the uh the risk for the every everyday recreational drug users so you know fundamentally we have uh, a problem and, and and i'm i'm at my wits end and i'm sure you're getting close Is how how do we how do we turn our our drug policy reform leaders around and make them understand that we are moving in the wrong direction and the longer we move the farther we'll be from our goal.
1: I've worked hard at attempting that directly and decided that the far better course would be to attempt to make them completely irrelevant.
0: Well, I like that idea.
1: If they no longer have anything to bring to the table and we can get everybody to safely ignore them, we can move forward and win. I mean, the way but that requires
0: the- in, in, in you know, tandem to that, it requires, you know, you, making them irrelevant requires making somebody else relevant.
1: Yeah, and that will be done through the process. You know, natural selection will take care of that. If people are resonating uh, with a message, then they will gravitate toward that. And, you know, it's not too hard to paint the line on the ground. Say, Leap says, let's do it all at once, and the rest of these fuckers are out there floundering. Here's the reasons why we want to do it. I mean, if if there's anybody involved in drug policy reform who's serious about drug policy reform, who having gone through all of the history, all of the data, all of the goddamn uh, arguments back and forth, and doesn't come to the conclusion that the entire stinking fucking pile is sitting right there in front of us we can all observe it and it needs to go then there's something wrong with them they're either insane stupid or the enemy that's what it boils down to so we need to point that out to people as much as we possibly can and everyone has these arguments that you know let's face it all the stuff that we think we know about drug uh, issues is mythology we got spoon-fed to shit our entire lives about the evils of drugs, etc., And a lot of it is emotionally uh, powerful. And it's easy for even people who really know their stuff to be dissuaded by those things. And that's what we have to focus on. It's like, wait a minute, you know, if you, like, if you have those particular concerns yourself and you're involved in drug law reform and that's why you're saying, well, I can see making pot legal because that's mild, but, oh, my God, heroin, are you fucked? Like, have you heard of fentanyl? You put it in perspective you give them the different angles through which they can view that information and then they can come to a coherent decision you now people aren't stupid we're the most well-educated society we've ever had we have wonderful tools at our disposal they get to educate the people all you have to do is give it to them in a bigger context so they can actually see it for themselves go aha now I get it well, let's go kick some ass and the people who are you know the self-proclaimed leaders have the intellectual capacity to comprehend all this shit, have the access to the information, have allegedly read it, digested it, considered it, and intellectually figured it all out, and yet there they sit in the corner pissing themselves on the skirts and saying, oh, well, the, the public may not be ready for any of this. Let's try to get medical marijuana first, and then uh, maybe we can get uh, recreational marijuana. like, well, okay, you know what? I don't want to play Rick Van Winkle, go to sleep for 20, 20 years and wait for you fuckers to get this job done we have everything we need now and the most critical piece of it that we need is a lack of financial resources on the part of the enemy that is really a big thing now is our chance let's pull the fucking trigger and nuke these bastards
0: would well, do you do you think that do you think uh, Ethan's reticence is born out of the fact that maybe and we don't know this but maybe He went to George Soros, who is funding the Drug Policy Alliance. Maybe he went to George and said, listen, we need uh, $5 million, $10 million. We want to go full bore on repealing drug prohibition. We think that's the issue. Maybe they have done that, and Georgie Porgy said, no, I'm not into that. I don't think that's true, but it would be one at least – plausible reason why uh, Ethan Nadelman, who is you know the most recognized guy out there, I mean the media at least is he's the most recognized to the media, then Alan St Pierre does well, and Rob Campia comes in a distant third uh, do, It would at least be feasible if that was what he what he had done, but I don't think that's true. I think that he truly believes he's been so narrowly focused with the blinders on that the American people just won't support. Uh, a national uh, debate and discussion on repealing drug prohibition.
1: Well, I don't know who he talks to, but everybody I talk to pretty much gets it. <laughs> well, <yeah.
0: laughs> we don't know that of them with about $6 billion, though. That's a problem.
1: Yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, see, that's the key. It's like the bottom line is if you have any goddamn intellectual integrity, which is what I would expect from someone of youth and stature, to have the intellectual integrity to say, well, okay, you know what then? Fuck you. I'm going to go do the right thing anyway. You know, why is it that you have to have five million dollars for your nice, uh, slick Madison Avenue advertising campaign website? I mean, I go to their site. I don't know what the fuck it's supposed to do for me. You know, it's it's all marketing shit. It, it, there's there's nothing where I can point to it and say like, oh, holy fuck, here's the plan on how to end the drug war. You know, it's all like brochures. It doesn't it, it doesn't have any kind of a significant content. content well,
0: the, content. the the drug policy alliance is primarily the the. Uh, the the uh, twin the for the, the money from Soros is what they're. No, are well, they I mean, mean, the drug policy alliance is basically our uh, partnership for a drug-free America. I mean, the partnership for a drug-free America is all about buying films and literature and selling shit, and so is the drug policy alliance. They've got the same films and literature that just uh, you know rebut what the what the partnership says.
1: <laughs> okay, that's a funny analogy because the drug. A partnership for Drug Free America is saying we've got to keep all these drugs illegal because of all these horrible things. And the Drug Policy Alliance is basically saying, hey, we've got to keep all these drugs illegal because if we don't, then we're not going to have any job anymore.
0: So holy <laughs> fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there's, there's no denying the fact that there is a a a component, a, a business mindset component uh, to what they're doing. How large it is or how small yeah. it is can be debated.
1: It's a bureaucracy. They but- have field offices, for Christ's sake. They've opened up, like, six or seven different field offices. They're like, wait a minute. Your, your focus, your core mission is to end the drug war. End the drug war. If you achieve that objective, what happens to your organization? It ceases to exist, okay? If your goal is to make your organization cease to exist, how the fuck do you open branch offices? <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> That's what the DEA yeah. did.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, drug policy reform leaders should have a windowless Air conditioned, but windowless room with a couple of metal desks and some chairs, and hammer this thing out. And then when they, you know when it works, they turn the lights out. And there's no infrastructure to to disassemble, no people to fire, no exactly no limelight no, to no miss.
1: pensions to worry about, no health yeah. insurance. You know, like what the fuck are you people thinking seriously? And, and I think what's going to really make things happen is that there are several easily identifiable people who are doing stuff in a, a non-organizational format are making an impact and are who do are doing it all without any funding you know and we all know who they are and those folks are making changes occur they are making people pay attention Um, i'm not sure what's going on with other people's sites but hell my site is is continuing to grow and go ballistic if i'm so wrong then shit everybody should ignore me but apparently there's the song is resonating with people well, yeah, that's true.
0: I mean, you know, it's it's <clears throat> the, the, the 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 drug policy reform leadership is 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 as tone deaf as as the as the Obama administration to the, yeah, the to the to the general people out there. We're way we're not. You know, drug policy reformers say we're way ahead of the government on all of this, and uh, you know, help us catch up. And I'm saying that uh, we're way ahead of drug policy reform leaders, too. We don't need to catch up. We, like you said, we are ready to have this discussion. We are ready to make these fundamental changes in, a, in, in stupid, ineffective law. And the, the, the drug policy reform leaders, they don't see it either. They're just out of touch as Obama.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm serious. I mean, I, my response to them for everything is stop telling me that it can't be done and tell me why you're not trying. yeah, that's the bottom line they, Well, let mean let me
0: I'm gonna let me ask you how many how many uh, uh, medical marijuana raids do you think there'll be in California before the end of the year?
1: Um, before the end of this year, uh, I don't think there'll be more than one.
0: Yeah, I'm it's betting been at been least out. one. I, I bet at yeah. least
1: one. and And mainly, I'm thinking that because they have to wait till things die down a little bit and not call too much attention to the fact that they're still doing it and other things it's convenient if other things are going on to distract people too and right now they're in the beginning of their fiscal year which uh, started on the first of october and that's really a time for uh, you know laying framework for okay let's go and continue to work on such and such project i'm sure they've already got some existing operation whatever the fuck, going on like they always do and oh look what we did oh we had this big seven seven country major drug sweep again look at us go and then the attention will die down from that. You'll get farther into the fiscal year, and they'll say, "Well, you know what the fuck? We're not getting any press anymore. Let's go bust a clinic in California." Yeah,
0: I, I think at well, I, I think at least one clinic or dispensary, whatever you it's want to. do at least one. I yeah, think. at least one. And and because the I think the reason that'll happen is that many of these laws in the 13 states, they are intentionally vague in certain parts. And the caveat to Eric Holder's memo was that we'll stay out as long as they conform to state laws. Well, if the state laws are murky, that allows some knuckle-dragging prosecutor and his chimpanzee sheriff to say, you know what? You guys aren't in compliance, and this is why. And either they'll do the raid themselves or they'll apply to the federal government and say, this particular operation is not conforming to our state laws. Please come in and help us fuck them up. And... I think the, the, the DEA will be on the next fucking plane.
1: Well, there's one, one potentially telling piece of evidence, if we could dig it up, that would help to figure out certain parts of that. And that would be whether or not there's been any kind of a decrease in the funding for federally funded operations in the state of California. That That is a telling clue. If that number has gone down significantly, but still exist, and clearly they're still operating there. And, and of course, they'll be going after the Mexican growers in the national forest. Oh yeah, the, I mean the, the federal
0: infrastructure, the DA and the like—they're still going to be all over the place in California yeah. and every place but, else. But the mean. key
1: is they gave specific funding to their like the high intensity drug task uh, trafficking areas, and to the uh, cooperative programs where they get the drug task force uh, arrangements together. They get federal agents, county and local official you know agents together to do the same raids. So you look and see what kind of money is going out there for that. And that'll let you know
0: exactly what the hell is going to go on. Oh, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, you always, you have to, if you can find out what the budget is, you follow the money and you'll definitely determine, be able to determine if it's going to be, if it's going to be a bad year or a good year. If they've got half the money they had last year, then it's not going to be that bad of a year for people. Yeah, really. You know, but they they still have a, a certain level of, of, uh, Enforcement to maintain. So, okay. Well, that's good. Well, you and I, we each think uh, at least at least one before the uh, before the end of the year.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would have to go with that.
0: Well, um well, I lost my train of thought there.
1: Hey, doper see what happens yeah see, you know <laughs> right there evidence man everybody pay attention turn it up call your
0: mother that's right, you know. please arrest me. I am a fucking menace uh, oh yeah, absolutely <laughs> I am a menace I'm a
1: but, airborne ranger, yeah,
0: exactly so um i i if you if you saw the uh the the comments I put at StopTheDrugWar.org, dot I invited David Borden to come on the show and and discuss I, this I issue I, mean, I hope he does too I mean. I mean, Ethan Nadelman's been on and Alan St. Pierre has been on and, you know, it's not like he's he's more busy than they are. But right. I, I hope he does. I hope he does come on because I want to ask him those questions. I want him to to more fully uh, answer. I mean, he didn't really address the points I put out in my in my comments. And it was almost like the standard politician. It doesn't matter what question you ask them. They, they stay on message and, and figure out how to, you know, blow blow smoke up your ass. So I do, I do want him to address what, you know, what's he going to do when the prohibitionists call us on our lie? And what what are we going to do after marijuana? You know, and to say that we don't have those strategies in in place is to say you don't have a, a strategy for the end game. And that's what they all bitched about George Bush, not having an end game strategy when he went into Iraq. So if you want to tell me that you don't have an end game strategy, don't make it sound like you're uh, you're, you're, you're being wise and not trying to to make any predictions. You don't have a game plan. If you don't have a game plan, <laughs> <For> <laughs> shut you know, I've been up.
1: I've been haranguing these fuckers about this since t- at least 2002. The bottom line is there's never been a strategy put in place. And the MPP, this, those fuckers crack me up, man. They put out their yearly strategy. Oh, here's our strategy. We're going to go and try and get a medical marijuana initiative in Vermont. And we're going to try and make arrests uh, for marijuana possession the lowest priority in Topeka, Kansas, or some shit. And that's a strategy. It's not a fucking strategy. The strategy is, here's what the fuck we're shooting for. These are the necessary steps that we have to take to get there. And this is what the hell we're going to do to make that happen this year. This is what we're going to work on this year. This is what we're going to work on next year. Well, so we're going I'm, to continue I'm, down this fucking road until we reach the goal. I, I, I know
0: we've had it. this discussion, and what what I would like to see... I mean, you know, I don't give a shit if a you know a green man comes down from Mars and and makes it happen. You know, I really don't give a fuck. But and Plan you know, C. I, yeah, Plan C. <laughs> you're right. And give me all the acid, Daddy, because <laughs> well, I want <yes. laughs> to I want to experience this fully. But uh... <laughs> they
1: don't have a plan. They don't have a fucking clue. And every time that I've a costume about it, they say, "Well, where's yours?" It's like, "Well, oh, okay, am I the leader? Well, I'm like, well, fucking well, yeah, happy to be okay. the leader. Well, like me I said, man." Look, give me your job. Get I don't care if it's somebody
0: green, but I think that I, I would I think the Republicans should take this issue. They they should look at the at their own microcosm of what happened with um Ron Paul. The motherfucker got everybody excited, raised thirty seven million dollars, which was just I mean, a, a astounding thing to, oh, yes. to happen in politics. And the Republican Party should take this issue, at least the marijuana side, and throw it back up against Obama and put him on defense.
1: You are a, a uh, evil political genius. Uh, that would be exactly... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's
0: only because I smoke a lot of pot.
1: <laughs> That's what happens, man. You forget things, but you turn into... But really,
0: I mean, that, it would seem to me as a strategy, I mean, the Republicans say they're out in the fucking wasteland, and they're not really that bad, but they got some young, smart people coming up, Palente and a couple of other guys, and it would seem to me to that them. if they would seize on that issue, they could really make some hay.
1: Well, and I would want them to expand on it, too, because it's all their alleged core values. Smaller government, no interference in personal lives, personal responsibility... Well, that's what the fuck we're asking for. You know,
0: even, even if they didn't believe it in the heart, they don't have the, the votes in, in the House or the Senate to make it a reality. So they can come out there and say, absolutely, we are for, for creating a, a legal and regulated market for marijuana. And we're pretty serious about looking at the rest of drug prohibition. They can come out and say that, even if they don't believe it, because they don't have the votes to do it anyway, at least until 2012. So they could use it as a real big uh, block of salt.
1: It would be a nice way to draw a line in the sand, and, and I would vote for any politician who seriously was committed to that and, and, and they would not back down on that statement and did understand why we need to do this. If they did it and they tied it into the core Republican values, then I would say, hey, you know what? You got my fucking vote, dude.
0: Yeah, plus they can they can look at their own history and say, you know what? Richard Nixon wasn't exactly, you know, wasn't exactly yeah. a Reagan. And they can lay it on that motherfucker and say, you know, he was a paranoid asshole and uh, yeah. it was all his fault and we're really coming clean and... Uh, you know, in, in a couple more years, we'll, we'll tell you how fucking crazy Reagan was in his first term. Exactly. Exactly. Like,
1: well, after 150 years, we've decided this shit's not really going to work, so let's try something different.
0: Well, I, I, I would really like it, and I think it's uh, from a political, uh, strategic standpoint, the Republicans could make a lot of hay with this issue and steal a lot of it. Huh? Go ahead. Well, I don't, <laughs> I'm not ready to break out of the out of the paddock as a Republican running for exactly. office or anything, but uh, I certainly wouldn't mind uh, our our drug policy reform leaders seizing upon that strategy and go spend some of their lobbying dollars on the Republicans instead of the fucking Democrats. Yeah, because I mean I, I could I could be wrong, but I don't think Drug Policy Alliance or any of these guys are working with that many Republicans.
1: Well. I I don't know, uh, because they don't really have the the, the intimate knowledge of their daily workings. Uh, Theoretically, given their mission, they should be talking to any and everybody and trying to get as many uh, sympathetic ears as possible. And and also, and and in fairness, they they actually do every once in a while do petitions in different states and say, hey, you know, let's get rid of this fucker in Illinois because he's insane, you know, whatever. Uh, So they do do some of those things, but it should be a constant. It should be like, okay, here's the core mission. We want to change the political landscape. Good. Are you going to wait for the political cha- landscape to change or are we going to try to make the political landscape change? Because if you're going to wait, what the hell do we need you for? And if plus, we can wait around we, until the moment's right. If, I, if
0: our drug policy reform leaders went to the Republicans with the, with their strategy and left the Democrats alone because they're going to, they're going to fuck with it. Look, look what he's doing to the gays and lesbians. Mm-hmm. So if we if we took this issue to the Republicans and said, look, we know that you fuck the religious right. You know, you took their votes, you took their money, and you didn't do anything about abortion. You didn't do anything about gay marriage. So we know what it's like for you guys to take money and fuck somebody. <laughs> we want to give you our money, but we don't want you to fuck us, and these are how we're going to make, you know, covenants that you don't. You know, actually get some, get some action on this. Raise the level of the debate. Sell it to them that they don't have to actually believe it in their heart. Just sell it to them as a political tool to beat Obama up over the head. And I think those guys would be on it like stink on
1: shit it would be a cool experiment and i agree that that's the level at which it would have to come from you know you want to have the you know, the leadership out there trying to play leader that would be a great thing and it would be a cool thing to go to the republican leadership with a coherent plan because you know that's one of the dodges all the time too coming from both the prohibitionist side and from our own side well we don't know what this is going to look like. We don't know what to do. What, what would the model be for all these legalized drugs? And we'll, we'll help them out. Really we'll, the conversation we had once yeah. which was like, okay, this is really not that difficult.
0: Yeah, I don't think many of them think it's that difficult, really, if, if they think about it at all. But, again, you know, why, why? it's even more appealing to me because I don't think President Obama is going to do anything for drug policy people until he does something for the gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual market. And I think the don't ask, don't tell is going to be around the entire first administration and possibly Obama, if he gets reelected, might dither with it in the second time. But I can't expect us to get any any relief until the, the gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual uh, lobby wins. And I'm all for those guys. I mean, I you know, I I could care less, but we're not going to make any, we're not going to make any progress ahead of them. And it doesn't look like they're on the fast track.
1: Well, that's one of the disturbing things too. I mean, the job of the leadership is to recognize opportunity and the gay and lesbian community is asking for the exact same thing that we're asking for. And that's, you know, body and mind sovereignty. That's what we're asking for. None of your fucking business. What the hell I do with myself or people who want me to do those things with them. You don't get the vote. That's the key. That's really what the hell is wrong with the entire notion of prohibition. And the drug reform leadership is missing a hell of an opportunity to, you know, really increase the available resources to go and fight this fight. This fight is not about drugs. This fight is not about who has sex with whom. It's about the notion that somebody somewhere decided they have the authority and the right to interfere with it, and they're the ones who are wrong. So if we get together with the other disenfranchised groups who are asking for personal autonomy just like we are, good God almighty. Doesn't that look like a no brainer? Yeah, but you know what? I don't
0: I don't I don't think the gays want to line up with us.
1: Well they might not because they they believe the mythology too and the whole idea of oh we're all tainted, but if somebody like leap worded well, that's outside their, their scope, but you know, really somebody in a position who claims to be a leader should be working that angle of this. And people like me will continue to point out: this is not about drugs. This is about simple human rights and the uh, the absolute right to make decisions about what you do to yourself. Period.
0: Yeah, the the owning your body issue is is the fundamental truth. the The only uh, drawback to that is when you get into that, you get the religious people on a separate track. Yeah, fuck them though. Because well, I know, but as 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 of the there's some yeah, there's some, there's some of the biggest pro out there though.
1: Exactly, but they're the screaming harpies. They're the ones who are so way out of kilter on this, and that's why the data. And well, it's the because
0: they're 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 popping, you know, they're snorting poppers and having gay sex. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, they yeah. they can only keep so many balls that, yeah. in the air at once, if you know what I mean. <laughs>
1: I have sinned, oh, <laughs> please forgive me, Lord.
0: So, yeah, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to give the religious freaks any, any way to dodge the issue because we start talking about it's our body. They're going to say it's God's body, and the next thing you know, you're going to be moving the chairs in the Titanic and not talking about drugs. But you know. uh, No,
1: it's easy to derail them. You just say stuff like, okay, look, even God couldn't get Prohibition to work. What the hell are you thinking? You know, they're two peoples. Don't do that. They did it anyway. Well, Jesus, learn something. God Almighty can't stop people from doing things to stopped. Well, well, that's that's another
0: that's another that's a, see that's another reason when when we go to the Republicans, we can say you know what we agree with you, man. Fuck those religious freaks. We're glad you didn't you know cave into them and and, and you <laughs> took their money. But we're different, man. We we smoke pot. We do speed. We store coke. We are not going to let you fuck us. So let, exactly. so let, let's work let's work it out here. Take and take their side and say yeah, man. You know, fuck those crazy son of bitches. We're not crazy though. You know, we're not crazy.
1: Well, everybody's crazy to somebody, I assume. You know. Well, that's what I mean. That's, we, we have to
0: tell that to Republicans. You know, we're not crazy. You know, fuck those crazy <laughs> Jesus freaks. You know, we're, we're we're hippies, but we're conservatives, and uh, you know, we want to we're going to get that you know less government, more freedom thing. Ring that bell for you. Woo hoo! Woo hoo! Well, Brian, you got anything else that you want to throw out at the? I mean, we've pretty much. <laughs> Been taken off every Christmas card list <laughs> that, <laughs> that drug policy reform has, but Tom Angel, Tom Angel is going. He's the uh, he's the. Uh, it's SDP. Oh yeah,
1: wait, he went to. No, Leap. he's, he's right. at
0: Leap now. You know, he's the he's a poo over at Leap, right. and uh, he'll be coming on the show and. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> unless he hears this, or you know, Warden tells him I'm an asshole, he don't have to bail, but. <laughs> Like well, I said, I, next week and
1: there's dead air. I know what happened. Yeah,
0: well, I've yet, to, I've yet to find anybody in drug policy reform that doesn't have a microphone magnet for a mouth. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, they, they may not like me, but they, well, they really want... Well,
1: you're crazy enough to let me talk, so...
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's a <laughs> <laughs> slow news day, as they say in the movies.
1: <laughs> Apparently.
0: <laughs> well, Brian, tell us one more time where, where they can uh, get all your facts and figures, and I mean that sincerely. They are facts and figures, not... Not some of the drivel that I put out in in verbiage. You are just a numbers freak. There, you've got all the pertinent statistics. So give us give us that uh, address again.
1: Thanks, Dan. You're way too kind.
0: Well, I'm high <laughs> <laughs> or high, exactly.
1: <laughs> www.briancbennett.com or go to Google and type in anti drug war. It'll get you to my own page.
0: Well, I think everybody should do that. And I want to thank you, Brian, for uh, for calling in tonight. And my uh, pleasure. When you go out and start your car tomorrow, look under it and everything. Just, uh,
1: I got that training back in the 70s. They were me to look out for terrorists when I was in Germany in the military because the Vatermeinhoff gangs out there killing Americans. I was know. over
0: there. I was over yeah, there. yeah,
1: I remember. Yeah, yeah. we were there at the same time. Yeah, uh, 75.
0: Time. I was there 75 and 76.
1: Yep, and I came in right after. 76 yeah. through 80. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I will well, well
1: check my car you better too my friend
0: yes indeed okay my fellow veteran good talking to you and we'll talk again
1: alright excellent thanks Daniel
0: okay thank you bye
1: good night.
0: <laughs> Brian Bennett uh, nice fellow hope everybody in, enjoyed that uh, conversation well we stretched this out to uh, 62 minutes and if you're still with us we certainly appreciate it and if you 're not well, <laughs> fuck you cause you can 't hear me, <laughs> but I do want to thank everybody for uh for uh tuning in tonight and if you actually aren't tuning in tonight and you get this on a download later i'm uh, sorry about that fuck you comment because um, I want everybody to to give a listen so until we uh get together next Thursday night, um, everybody here inside the opium den. Uh, thanks you for tuning in, and we always close with our with our motto here inside the opium den and that is when good people obey bad law, bad law never changes